0: E Kia ora and welcome to the Kakapo Files. I'm Alison Balance and I am very pleased to be back on May Day with episode 17 of this RNZ podcast, which I'm calling Glad and Sad Kakapo Tidings. As that name suggests, we've got some good news coming up as well as a little heartbreak. Later in the show, Kākāpō Recovery Programme Manager Deirdre Verko from the Department of Conservation has the latest news and numbers for us. We'll also meet a local Invercargill botanist and find out how his remnant of protected forest came in handy for the hand reared Kākāpō chicks. And we've got an encounter with a slightly grumpy Kākāpō mum. but I thought we'd start with some other birds. I had the great privilege last week of spending time in chalky and preservation inlets in Fiordland with the Department of Conservation and the Southwest New Zealand Endangered Species Trust. These are the southernmost fjords in Fiordland at the very bottom left-hand corner of New Zealand. We got there by boat and the purpose of our visit was to check traps to help keep a whole lot of precious islands free from introduced predators such as stoats and rats. Predator-free islands are a lifeboat for many rare species in New Zealand, including of course kākāpō. That's because our native species evolved in the absence of mammals and have no defences. But take the predators away and the native species thrive. Here I am, having a moment on Te Herika. It's a windy day on Coal Island and Preservation Inlet. There's a flock of brown creepers and mōhua and fantails and bellbirds. The wind's thrashing through the tall rimu trees, which are dropping fruit everywhere. The ground is covered in fruit from rimu, meadow, and all the bushes are just festooned with different coloured berries. I'm looking at one that's got bright, shiny, orange orbs hanging from it. This is what you get on an island with no rats, no mice, no stoats. It's great. I'll have a whole story about this Fiordland trip and its amazing island lifeboats on my regular Our Changing World podcast in a couple of weeks, and I'll be sure to share that with you. But in terms of the Kākāpō files, what the trip offered was a rare chance for me to call in at Anchor Island in Dusky Sound and catch up with some of the team there. We had radioed ahead from the boat to say that we were dropping by, and we were lucky enough that Kākāpō rangers Sarah Larkham and Brody Philp were at the hut waiting for us. Now Brodie, I've had you on the podcast before but it was on the end of a phone and so it's really exciting to be here in person.
1: Yeah, it's great to have you out to our workplace rather than just on the end of a mobile line.
0: (laughs) Yeah, you guys are pretty remote here. Remind us where exactly you are in the world.
1: Basically, Anchor Island is located kind of on the far western end of Fiordland. So basically on the western side of this island it's just open ocean from there on in.
0: And I've been on a boat that's been a bit south of here for the last few days and I can report that the seas out there are pretty big at the moment.
1: Yeah, it does get some wild weather through here. We've had all four seasons today with some hail, rain and some sunshine as well.
0: Now I've talked to Andrew and Daryl on the podcast before and one of the recurring things that comes up is the weather and the fact that it's quite wet out here a lot of the time.
1: Yeah, well you can see around us there's quite a bit of mud just where we're standing and then the trails from here are all kind of up and down hills so yeah, it's very very wet and very muddy.
0: What's the forest we're looking at? It looks beautiful and lush with all that rain.
1: Yeah, so around, around the hut there are some rimu trees as you can see there's some, some quite larger ones around and then you've kind of got a mixture of um, some beech and uh, some yellow silver pine a bit, bit further up on the hills there.
0: Now, the other islands I've been on, there's so much fruit around at the moment. There's rimu fruit just lying all over the forest floor.
1: Yeah, we kind of had our peak here with the rimu maybe about a month ago, and now it's kind of we're starting to find a little bit less. But yesterday, when I was over the eastern side of the island, there's still quite a bit over there, but sadly, that's not where all the females are.
0: So whereabouts on the island of the girls?
1: Uh, most of them are all on the west side. So the east side is the really, really steep side of the island, and then most of the girls are are out west, kind of closer to the coastal areas. The vegetation varies a bit more over there, whereas on the east side, it's kind of all all pretty similar up the tops. So how's it going? Yeah, it's going really well. We've just about ten days ago we had our last egg of the season, or what we think is our last egg hatch. And now we've got a lot of our chicks um, starting to fledge. So moved into a different transition of the breeding season.
0: So those last eggs were Stella's, weren't they?
1: Yes, last eggs were Stella's eggs. All doing fine so far. They're out in nest. They're very, very far walk from the hut. But, oh yeah, they all seem to be doing fine so far.
0: So each day here, what do you usually do? What's an average day?
1: It's actually quite varied at this stage of the year. So right now with the chicks starting to fledge and leave the nest. We've got a lot of day work going out and taking blood samples from them and giving them vaccinations as well as putting their transmitters on so we don't lose them and then at night we've still got to go out and check um, the young chicks that we have in the nest and do health checks on them as well. So yeah lots of day work starting to pop up but then still the usual night work as well.
0: So how long's the season going to go on for you?
1: At the moment it seems like it won't stop. We're not sure the other day we actually had on our data system pop up that Tefiri and Naitapa mated again so that would be our third round here so we're not sure it was quite a short mating so it could have just been a bit of a fight but yeah we'll monitor Fury's activity just in case she does happen to nest again which would mean the season might be quite long. (laughs)
0: gracious so solstice made it a third time this is turning out to be the most incredible breeding season
1: yes we are we are breaking records uh, all over the place and it doesn't seem like the birds want to stop the males up on the hill when i was up the other night they were still booming away and around their bowls they're still doing lots of grubbing and keeping them maintained so yeah we don't really don't really know they're kind of rewriting the books for us here
0: are the males doing any scrapping? I gather they were doing a bit of fighting on Penuaho and they had to send Arab off for a bit of medical treatment.
1: Yeah, there's a, there's a few um, times when you walk around at night you hear a couple of the boys going at it and yesterday we went and caught Wahopai up on the summit just to check him out because his activity was quite low and he had a few fight signs like cuts and things on his, on his feet but yeah, he, he's doing OK.
0: Fantastic. Well, let's go and grab Sarah and I'll have a chat to Sarah as well and then maybe you can take me for a little walk.
1: Yes, a very short walk.
2: I'm Sarah, I'm a kākāpō ranger here on Anchor Island. Well, welcome to the Files. It's an absolute treat to be here on
0: Anchor Island. It's a bit different out here.
2: Yeah, it's it's a bit more rugged than Whenua Ho. I'm pretty sure we get a fair bit more rain than they do over there. Uh, I've heard that from Andrew and Daryl. <laughs> <laughs> Must be true then.
0: So d- does that rain have much of an impact on the kākāpō?
2: Yeah, it's a major source for us of worry with the nests, so we put a lot of effort into setting up really safe dry nests for all the birds, we put tarps over all of them, we often do a bit of maintenance, digging drainage channels and putting in bits and pieces to prevent the nests from flooding. And in the hut...
0: And and the sort of annex out the front where you take all your wet gear off and don't wear it inside, there's some dirt drying out. Do you want to tell me the story of that?
2: (laughs) Yes, we're currently collecting soil to dry out here at the hut and then cart over to nests on the far side of the island because we're a bit concerned that the floor of the nest over at Stella's is getting a bit damp, which could cause issues for the chick. So we really want to make sure that the chick's nice and safe and dry. So she's still got one of her little chicks? She does, yeah. She was just given a chick within the last week.
0: I'm just sort of sitting here kind of smiling at this idea of carrying dirt around Fiordland, but (laughs) that's what you have to do to try and keep those chicks healthy. Have you had problems with dampness and nests with the chicks?
2: We've been pretty good this year. I know back in 2016, some of the chicks out here died in flooding, and um, so we've been really conscious of that and been keeping a close eye on any signs of dampness in the nests. But yeah, within the last week, we've had one nest get a bit damp and this could have been a cause of illness in the chick, so we're really conscious of that. So what's up with the chick? It got flown off the island and it's currently, I think it's up at Massey being treated Whose chick is that? I think it was one of the Waikawa chicks. (laughs) They've all been a little bit special.
0: (laughs) It's all becoming a bit of a blur, there's so many of them.
2: (laughs) There are. We're up to 30 chicks on the island at the moment.
0: Now tell me about some of the records here this year. So who's laid the most eggs?
2: Well, we had a record for egg cannon given to Ra, who had a total of nine eggs this season.
0: Nine eggs. So she obviously had one of the five egg clutches.
2: Yeah, that's correct. Um, the other five egg clutch was Jim, which was a bit unexpected. I went there to pull in what I thought would be the last two infertile
1: eggs and found that she'd laid a third.
0: Did you award any other awards to the kākāpō?
1: Well, the most fertile eggs went to Waikawa this year. Yeah, she was a very successful female.
0: But you had some who didn't manage to produce any fertile eggs?
1: Yeah, we've had quite a number of girls that have gone to a lot of effort. Unfortunately, not any reward, but now they can serve as foster mums for the rest of the chicks on the island.
2: Now, I gather we can go for a little walk. We can. We have a nest very close by to the hut with two chicks who are uh, just kind of on the brink of fledging, just venturing outside the nest for the first time at the moment. So we can go for a wander up there and see how they're doing. Fantastic.
0: But just before we head up the track... (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm on Anchor Island in Fjordland and it is hailing like nothing else but luckily we hadn't left the hut yet. Lovely weather you've got here Brody.
1: <laughs> like I said four seasons in a day. <laughs> Just a wee hail storm. Mm, yeah they, they tend not to last long but they are frequent.
0: After a couple of minutes, the hail stops and we head outside again.
1: Typical sound of anchor on is the squelching of your boots.
0: We quickly arrive at a nest in a hollow tree, sheltered by a tarpaulin. who's that very protective mother, birdie?
1: Uh In the nest at the moment we had Yasmin with her two chicks.
0: So whose chicks does she have? Are they her chicks or does she have someone else's?
1: No, she didn't manage to have any chicks of her own.
0: But she's a good mum? Yes,
1: yeah, she's a very good mum. The two
2: chicks look like an adult at the moment. They're fully grown.
0: How far are they moving at night when they leave the nest?
1: Uh, These particular two might go, you know, 15, 20 metres from the nest. Um, We've had some other ones start to go, like, you know, 50, 50, 60 metres.
0: But they're still coming back to the nest, so that means they're not officially fledged yet?
1: Uh, They do spend the nights outside some of them, so I think that technically means they're fledged, but they still know where their nest is.
0: They're so big and grown up.
1: Yeah, it's amazing how fast they grow once once they get going.
0: So is she feeding them just on Rimu fruit?
1: Uh, Yasmin's actually doesn't mind the supplementary food, so she has a hopper set up not far from here and she goes and she eats that and she obviously meets natural foods like the Rimu and a few of the other fruits we have at the moment.
0: How much are a chick's weighing?
1: These guys, I'm not sure exactly. They're somewhere between one and a half and two kilos each, and she weighs maybe just over, just over one kilo.
0: We should probably leave her, I think.
1: Yeah, she, I think she was happy for the chat, though.
0: <laughs> nice to meet you. So what are you talking to for the rest of the day?
2: Hopefully I'll be able to get out on the boat a bit later to pick up some of the rest of the team who have been out on the hill in the hail all afternoon. <laughs> it would be nice to give them a ride home.
1: And then I'm off tonight to uh, Stella's Nest to do some nest modifications because it's a bit unstable and a bit wet in there, so just to make things a bit better for the chick.
0: So what's the building program?
1: We put in what we call an A-frame, which is kind of like a little triangle hut into where the nest cavity is, and then we try and make that nice and stable and put all dry soil in there to kind of mimic the natural nest, but just something we can manage a bit more easily than a, than a natural nest.
0: Well, good luck with the building. Thank you. Thank you very much, you guys. Lovely to have you on the Kākāpō Files. <laughs> Thank you. Nice to have you out here.
1: Yeah, great to have you out on Anchor Island.
0: And a big thanks to Doc Kākāpō Rangers Sarah Larkham and Brody Philp and to Kākāpō mum Yasmin. Now on the Kākāpō Files, it's time for those glad and sad Kākāpō tidings with Kākāpō Recovery Program Manager Deirdre Veiko, Kia ora and a very big welcome to the Kākāpō Files, Deirdre.
3: Kia ora, Ellie.
0: It's great to have you back again. It's been two weeks since the last podcast, and what I find is when I go away for two weeks, heaps happens, and some of it's great, and some of it's not so great.
3: Yes, that's right. There's a bit of not so great over the last few weeks I can let you know about.
0: Oh dear, well we'll catch up on that, but let's just remind people, so 252 eggs laid in total, and we'll explain why in a minute. 86 chicks hatched. How many living chicks have we got at the moment?
3: We've got 77 chicks alive still today. I think that's fantastic from that number of hatches. Mostly looking really good.
0: Well, that's great. We'll climb into that in a bit more detail, but I think possibly the last time we were here on the podcast, there were 249 eggs. So would you like to explain what happened?
3: Yeah, I would. So that (laughs) was a bit of an Easter surprise for us. We thought all of the nesting was done and dusted to the point that we stopped really looking at some of the data that was coming in on activity levels of the females. It was Andrew actually and he was out on a hill at night time and he got a interesting activity reading from solstice from her transmitter which basically indicated that she'd been very inactive and his first thought was that she was ill. So he went in to investigate and found her sitting on three eggs. So it was a very late clutch and those three eggs were discovered right on Easter which we thought was quite amusing. Uh, And that took us from 249 eggs to 252, which is a staggering number.
0: And an entire new record for this breeding season, a female nesting three times.
3: That's right, so it was Solstice's third clutch. So she had mated with Stumpy late in March twice, but unfortunately those eggs were infertile. But they were still really big, good-looking eggs, so she gave it her best shot, but not so good for Solstice this year.
0: Amazing, amazing. And I gather from my little visit to Anchor Island that there's been another possible mating down there, but they're just waiting to see.
3: Yeah, that was another wee surprise. So I think it was the 21st of April, there was a potential mating between Tewhiri and Ngātapa. So Tewhiri was the female who had the wee chick, uh, Queenie Three actually, with the broken leg, and we removed that chick from her and she abandoned that nest but it looked like she possibly made it again. But it's so late, it could also just be a bit of a pretend mating or a fight. I'm not really sure what's going on there, but we'll find out in due course.
0: Well, before we come back to more chick news, while I've been away in the last two weeks, there has been some very sad news with Hoki. Can you tell me what happened there?
3: Yeah, that was a huge blow for the team. So Hokey, one of our mothers who was rearing three chicks, she had been doing really, really well We've got, I think, six others with three chicks out there, all doing fantastic. And then about the 7th, 8th of April, Hawke's chicks started to decline in weight. So our first action was to take one of the chicks from her and and give that to another female, to Wehiruatanga, uh, which we did. And then Hawke's second and third chicks seemed to pick up okay. But then after a few more days, again, those two chicks started reducing in weight. So we removed a second chick, Bella one, and moved that to Huhana and left Hawkey just with one chick. About four or five days passed seemingly okay and then that chick started to decline in weight again, um, to the point that we removed that chick and, and left Hawkey with no chicks to raise. Uh, and then we caught Hawkey and blood sampled her to check her basically and her white blood cell count was absolutely through the roof. The highest white blood cell count that we've ever seen in a in a pool to date, which indicated that she had some kind of huge inflammation or infection going on. So we sent her straight up to Auckland Zoo for investigations and unfortunately she passed away on the 22nd of April, which, you know, it, it's a real blow not only for our team but also for, for all those people that have come before our team, you know, with Kākāpō Conservation. I mean, Hulkie's 27 years old. She was a very, very well-known bird. Really feisty, great character. You know, she absolutely demanded everyone's respect, and I think she was a big part of a lot of people falling in love with and um, There is a lovely wee book written about her. She was the first-hand red bird. So, we like to think of Kākāpō as a population, but some individuals definitely, you know, you connect with them. And I think a lot of people had connected with Hoki. So it was very, very sad to lose her. Her necropsy results. The initial results have come through, and it and she died of aspergillosis, which is a, a fungal pneumonia. I and mean, it's a bit like having your airways filled with bread mould, really. It's a really awful way to go. So, aspergillus fungus is, is really common respiratory disease in birds, but we've very rarely seen it in Kakapo before. I think we've had one death from aspergillosis in the past. But those aspergillus fungal spores, they're found everywhere in the environment. And they particularly like warm, moist environments, so you can imagine them being quite prevalent in a nest. And usually that fungus doesn't cause disease, but if a bird for some reason doesn't have a healthy immune system, then then the aspergillus can cause illness, and that seems to be what's happened here.
0: I was very sad when I heard that news. Hoki was certainly the first kākāpō that I ever came across. Um, She'll be greatly missed. How are those three chicks that she had in the nest?
3: The first chick that was moved out is doing absolutely fine with Wehiruatanga um, or Tupor. That chick's growing really well. The second chick that we moved out, Bella 1, to Huhanga, unfortunately after picking up in weight a little bit, started to lose weight quite rapidly. And we removed that chick from the nest, sent that chick to Dunedin Wildlife Hospital. And unfortunately, Bella 1A passed away also of aspergillosis, most likely low immunity as a result of not being fed by hawkie for, for some time and then being moved into a new nest. So that death took us to the 77 chicks that we have today.
0: Oh, it's difficult, isn't
3: it? It is difficult. I mean, if these aspergillus spores are everywhere. Normally, they wouldn't cause illness, but as I said, um, if a bird had a low immunity, then they can succumb to them. So we're really trying to understand what was the cause of that low immunity. There is a possible underlying liver issue going on in Hoki um, from her necropsy results and interestingly we also saw a, a liver issue with Puda 3A, the chick that had died earlier in April from Puda's nest. So we're investigating it, is there a potential link there with this liver issue and in the Puda case the liver issue was most likely from an aflatoxin. So an aflatoxin, if that's what was involved here, they're usually associated with stored foods or grains. And so we're investigating at the moment, is there a potential link there with our supplementary food? So we use a commercial pallet diet to feed kākāpō. That diet's guaranteed to be free of aflatoxin basically until the bags opened. And we follow really strict hygiene procedures. So the chance of having an aflatoxin issue is very, very slim. And we've fed kākāpō on this diet for many, many, many years without any issues. But it is possible that there there could have been a tiny perforation in one of the bags that went unseen, for example. Maybe that's affected a handful of pallets. We just don't know, so we're investigating that at the moment. But it's quite possible that we won't understand the cause of that liver issue. With BALA1, there was no sign of of any underlying liver issue, so it's quite possibly just rapid weight loss and then the, the aspergillus taking over.
0: How are the other sick chicks going? I'm thinking in the last podcast I spoke with Daryl about Esperance 1B, had a little bit of brain sticking through the skull. How's that chick going?
3: Actually Esperance 1B had just been operated on and I am blown away by the skill of the, of the surgical team. So Brett Gartrell, uh, Lisa Aguila and the team up at Massey performed an operation early this week. So those skull plates hadn't joined in Esperance 1B and there was a tiny brain hernia um, through the top of the skull there. So that brain hernia has been clamped and removed and there's a a mesh layer being put over that fontanelle and they've actually infused that mesh layer with with a little bit of bone marrow from the chick and then covered it over with a skin flap. So incredibly detailed surgery. And the chicks come through that really, really well. It was up and feeding uh, only several hours after the surgery. And so far, all is going well there. But there could definitely be issues down the track. There could be neurological defects or an infection. We don't know. So there's a long road there. But yeah, it's got this far okay.
0: That's amazing. Brain surgery on a baby bird. Isn't it? <laughs> what about Waikawa 4B, who was sent off anchor with a respiratory problem?
3: So Waikawa 4B was suffering from a respiratory issue, similar to the symptoms that we saw in Bella One, actually, but on a different island. And that bird is up at Auckland Zoo now and reportedly improving, so that's uh, hopeful there.
0: Oh, and what about Arab, who was uh, found a male who got sent off with a damaged eye?
3: Yeah, Arab's pretty stable up at Auckland Zoo. There's still discussions ongoing about whether there'll be an operation to try and repair the eye, but he's he's coping really well with his life at the zoo at the moment, so we'll have to update you on that maybe in the next files.
0: Any other health issues looming?
3: Yeah there are a few Ellie. So tomorrow coming off Anchor Island is Queenie 3A, your chick mm. with the wee broken leg. Oh not so again. Is, <laughs> yes unfortunately after a dramatic recovery from, from the wee leg break at, at about three days old. So that chick had a series of casts and, and was healed really really well and was returned to a nest and had been doing well for quite a while but just in the last week has not been standing properly as the chick grows bigger. Um, doesn't seem to be able to support its full weight on that leg as well as we'd like it to. So tomorrow we're sending that chick back to Lisa and Dunedin for further investigation, because while that chick's growing, is the most uh, opportune time to really get in there and make sure that we're giving that chick the best chance for full mobility later in life.
0: Oh, well, fingers um, crossed again.
3: I know, fingers crossed. And also we've got Esperance to be coming off Whenua Ho tomorrow, uh, heading up to Auckland Zoo to join Waikawa 4B. And Esperance 2B has got a wee respiration issue. It's not hugely serious, but it's just been ongoing for as long as that chick's been alive, really. It had a slow start and a few respiration issues earlier. We treated it on Whenua Hau and returned it to the nest. And it's weight-wise, it seemed to be doing really, really well, but it's um, definitely something still ongoing with its respiration. So going off for investigations as well so we'll have four chicks off the islands in care and the rest of them are all touch wood doing really really well in the nests at the moment
0: well I do have to do a bit of a shout out to the skill and attention of all those wildlife vets and those various wildlife hospitals out there they're really getting their work cut out this year and giving you a hand
3: they have been absolutely fantastic, and yeah, I'd like to, to shout out there too, Ellie. This season has been amazing for the support that we've got, and pretty much every kind of national vet or wildlife institute has been involved in the season this year, which has been fabulous. Auckland Zoo, Wellington Zoo, Massey, Dunedin Wildlife Hospital, Kiwi Encounter, Rana Park, the list goes on. So we've had fantastic support, and yeah, a huge thank you to everyone that's Kind of volunteered and and given their their time to help us.
0: Well, we'll keep our fingers crossed for all those sick chicks and hope that you don't get any more. Let's think a bit about some positive news instead. I gather all of the hand reared chicks are now out on Fenowaho, learning how to be wild kakapo.
3: They are. So we've got eight chicks in the pens on Fenowaho. I think in the last podcast we talked about seven, but that was a bit of a mistake. We've actually had eight hand reared chicks, and they're all doing really really well in the pens on Fenowaho. So it'll be more towards mid-June that we'll look to releasing those birds into the wild. At the moment, they're still learning how to roost and forage and climb uh, and entertaining everyone that we're looking after them, I'm sure. And the other good news is that we're, we're getting towards the fledging stage too. So around about 75 days old, the chicks start leaving their nests for the first time. And at the moment, we officially call them fledged when they spend the daytime outside of the nest. And at the moment we've got 16 birds who have officially fledged. So 11 on anchor and 5 on finuaho, And another bunch coming right up behind them who are really close to fledging. So that's quite an exciting time. And it also signals a bit of a change in the work dynamics for our team because we shift from night work and checking nests at night time to basically following these chicks during the day and making sure that they're not getting stuck in awkward situations. Yeah, just kind of eyeballing them every few days for a while and weighing them every four days. And that's all done during
0: the day, which makes quite a big change. Well, when I visited Yasmin's nest with Sarah and Brodie down on Anchor Island, those chicks have been spending nights away from the nest and spending days away from the nest, but this time they had put themselves back into bed in the nest, and Yasmin was being <laughs> extremely protective of her very big chicks. Yeah,
3: it's pretty cool that stage, isn't it? It's absolutely
0: delightful. Now... There is some more news. So on the last podcast we talked about the first lot of kākāpō chick sexes and you'd had 49 chicks done and there were 22 females and 27 males and I gather some more chicks have been sexed.
3: That's right. We now know the sexes of all bar four of our 77 chicks and we also know the sexes of some of the dead chicks and also some of the embryos for those eggs that didn't make it to hatch. In total... Out of 95 chicks and eggs tested, we've had 45 female and 50 males, so 47% female. Uh, and if we break that down into current alive chicks, we have 38 males and 35 females. And as I said, four to go still. So we're pretty happy with that. That's 48% female, very close to our aim of
0: 50-50. Yeah. That's actually a great overall ratio. Do you know about some of the details of of which chicks are actually which sex? And I'm thinking of some of those chicks with Fiordland genes.
3: Yeah, we do now. So I believe Kuia's chicks are male from her second clutch. uh, And Suzanne, who mated with Gulliver, she had two males and one female. So that's
0: good. Excellent. (laughs) Nice to have some more boys and girls with Fiordland genes out there.
3: It is actually because if you get a successful male they could do quite well in fathering a lot of future chicks so it might be a really good way to get those fields and genes more widely distributed.
0: That was a great roundup of information even though there's some sad and disappointing news in amongst there there's still lots of good things going on and your teams are certainly still being rushed off their feet with so many jobs still to do.
3: Yeah that's true and you know we've been kind of in this bubble of making kākāpō over the last three or four months and it's kept us really really busy and it's been kind of day to day but as we're coming out you know the youngest chick is 10 days old now the problems should be fewer and further between and we can start really planning what happens in in the future with kākāpō. You know we've basically got a whole new island's worth of of chicks this year to to think about now so that's definitely going to Keep us busy, but in a different way.
0: Well, that's right. I've been down in Fiordland for the last week. I've spent time in Chalky Inlet and down in Preservation Inlet. I've managed to get ashore on Chalky Island, which is a possible future Kākāpō Island. We went past Resolution, where you're thinking of Five Fingers Peninsula. I did some trap checking on Coal Island, which, you know, maybe in the future could also be a Kākāpō Island.
3: Yeah, and um, we had a similar trip recently, just checking all those sites out, and there are some, some good potentials for Kākāpō Unfortunately, none of them is predator-free and robust as as the ones we currently have. But, yeah, that's the next chapter of kākāpō conservation, really.
0: Oh, well, let's get to the end of this breeding season first.
3: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. We're nearly there.
0: (laughs) Thanks, Deirdre. That was Doc's kākāpō team manager, Deirdre Verko. And just looking at those numbers again, with the loss of hoki, the adult kākāpō population now stands at 146 birds. All the kākāpō eggs have hatched, unless Tīwhiri springs a surprise. And there are currently 77 chicks alive. 73 of those chicks have been sexed and there are 38 males and 35 females. And 16 of the chicks have fledged and left their nest already. Now, before I go, people and groups around New Zealand have been helping out the kākāpō team in many varied ways – and the Queen Elizabeth II National Trust, or QE2 Trust as it's often known, is one of those. The QE2 Trust helps landowners to protect native forests and wetlands on their properties with legal covenants. And Jessie Bythel, who works for the Trust in Southland, realised that covenanted forests near Invercargill could be really useful for the team that was hand-rearing the chicks in Invercargill. Chris and Brian Rance are botanists with a very special piece of coastal kahekatea forest on their land, and I've tracked Brian down to find out how they've been helping out. Kia ora Brian, and welcome to the Kākāpō Files.
4: Yeah, good to speak to you.
0: Now how did you end up getting involved helping out with the Kākāpō breeding season this year, because you haven't been out on one of the islands, you live in Invercargill.
4: Yes, well it's been a fantastic fruiting year for a whole range of things, but particularly some of the potter kakatea is, is one that's fruiting really well. And with the kakapo chicks that they've had in the cargo they're wanting to get them onto a natural diet with a range of, of different fruits that they'll encounter on the, the islands. So on our covenant, we've got a range of different um, trees and shrubs and, and it's been a really good fruiting year. So we've been able to both collect a few different fruits for the Kākāpō, and we've made our covenant available for the crew to come out and do some collecting also.
0: So I think in particular you have quite a few kahikatea trees. They're pretty tall trees. How should you go about collecting the fruit?
4: Yeah, most of them are really tall and there's only one tree on the forest edge that was low enough that with a panned pole pruner we were able to do some snips but also we've been doing a lot of um, restoration planting for many years and one of our own seedling, Kakati, is fruited for the first year this year as well. So we were also able to take a little bit off that, that young tree as well.
0: And other than that, did you spend some time grovelling around on the forest floor?
4: Well, I have done a little bit of that because with it being a really good fruiting year, I've been collecting some seed uh, for the little community nursery we have on our property and also to help dock with um, some restoration planting projects down at the Waituna uh, Wetlands Reserve. We're there looking at doing some restoration work and we're looking for some seed for their ongoing planting. So we did grovel rub the the ground for some of those seeds, but with the kākapō, we tried to keep it on branches so that they could pick it off themselves and I suppose learn about it on a branch really.
0: So I don't imagine that you thought that you'd be feeding kakapo chicks when you covenanted your lovely piece of forest, Brian.
4: No, no, certainly, certainly not. But you know, having our lovely piece of bush and having it protected and in good health, we're able to sometimes help out different people. So the kakapo team on this time sometimes you know researchers looking at um, plots for studying urban restoration. We've had people working there, local SIT students looking at sites for their projects. So. Provides an option for for different people doing really good work, and so it's good to be able to support support them.
0: And of course, you're feeding your own local forest birds.
4: That's right. And on a sunny day, walking through our little bush remnant, the the forest's alive with you know tui and bellbirds and other birds that are scoffing that that fruit because it's as I say, it's it's been an amazing fruiting year this year. And it's only every few years or very occasionally that it's it's a year as good as it has been this year.
0: Thanks, Brian. And as well as protecting and restoring the forest and wetland on their property, Brian and Chris Rance run the Southland Community Nursery. And that's episode 17 of the Kākāpō Files, done and dusted. Glad and sad Kākāpō tidings went to air on the 1st of May 2019. And I'll be back with another episode in mid-May. You can find us online at rnz.co.nz slash there's a lovely photo of Yasmin and her chicks there, and some other photos from Fiordland too. While you're there, why not check out other podcasts from RNZ? As well as my regular Hour Changing World podcast, there is my elemental chemistry podcast exploring the periodic table. There's plenty of other entertaining and interesting audio there too. You can subscribe to us as a podcast for free in your favourite place. And a request. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, we would really appreciate it if you can rate and review us as it helps other people find us. Thanks for your company and all your feedback. I love sharing all this kākāpō stuff with you. Catch you again soon, but for now it's goodbye from me, Alison Balance. Kia ora mai.